0: Got it.
1: Good. What are you laughing at?
0: The way you said good.
1: That's from a movie. I, I can't remember what movie it is. but uh,
0: <laughs> Not very helpful.
1: No, it's, it wasn't a very good one, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but that part of it is indelibly etched into my mind. Yeah. Where he, the uh, person Is like a
0: movie says, with... I forgot his name. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Obviously made an impression on you. Is that a movie with, um, uh, what's his face? (laughs) No, it's not. What's his face? It's what's his name. Is that one guy? That one guy.
0: Oh, Terminator!
1: Oh, Schwarzenegger!
0: Yeah, that's Spock, honey.
1: That's that's Spock. Says, that's not I come Terminator. with peace. Yeah, that's Spock from Star Trek. It's not the Terminator. Oh, uh. okay. Good thing they're not going to ask about popular culture and movies <laughs> at the interview. Otherwise, I'd be worried.
0: I have no idea about all the movies I have watched. <laughs> I don't know the name of actor-actresses.
1: Obviously, since you don't know I Lewis don't know the what's Terminator. the most
0: popular pop song today or rock songs today.
1: No, oh, I have no idea.
0: We are so 2000 and late.
1: <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so 2000 and never. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to you know that, honey. Yeah, I've, I've never cared about popular culture. It, it's At never
0: least you recognize it.
1: Yeah, it's never been a priority for me to know who was number one on the billboard charts.
0: Right, me too. It,
1: it's just never really I don't, registered with me. I don't know how my
0: should, friends in school used to go crazy about all those <laughs> things. And how girls would follow the gossip column and magazines and stuff like that. I right. would care less.
1: I was always the antisocial kind of an outsider when I was in school.
0: <laughs> you don't have to tell me.
1: Well, I just did. So whether or not I had to tell you, I have now. And I think that worked to my advantage because I didn't get caught up in the fads, having to wear the right kind of clothes, um, getting all the various trappings that young people get into. I, I just didn't feel that pressure because I, my family, we didn't have any money. And so we, we just, we didn't have clothes. I mean, we didn't have money for the designer clothes. And <clears throat> looking back, that was to my advantage because I ne- I'd never really cared about having the right kind of clothes. Or mm-hmm. cared, I, I, we couldn't, my parents had five kids and we didn't make that much money. So Metallica came into town, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't go. It wasn't oh, even on Metallica my radar.
0: Oh, was one of my favorite bands when I was in high school.
1: <clears throat> right. But I just didn't get into popular culture. Like, if one of the bands came into town, into Minneapolis, where I grew up, I couldn't go. It, was just, it just wasn't even an option. So, in some ways, maybe I missed out on some things, but in other ways, I, I think it worked to my advantage because I never really felt the need to fit in with the other kids because I didn't fit in because I was short and my family was poor and we lived in one of the richer towns in Minnesota. And so I, 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 I just was not, I, I just didn't fit in. I was very shy, very shy. And my social status didn't help that mm-hmm. among my peers.
0: Well, you're not shy now.
1: No, I'm reserved, but I'm not shy. I'm not, I've become assertive over the years. But I prefer to, if I had my druthers, I would, I wouldn't say anything in a social setting. I'm I'm perfectly content to just stand in the corner and uh, watch. Uh, If somebody strikes up a conversation with me, then I'll keep it as short as possible. (laughs) But I'm not, I'm not the, the bird out there trying to make conversation with everybody. That's just not me. Never has been. But when I, <clears throat> it's time to say something, I'm not afraid to say it either. So I have learned to become a bit more assertive.
0: Unlike you too, don't you think?
1: Yes, only you're much prettier. <laughs> so, baby, I've been reading this book and I told you about it, but I want to tell you about it now while other people are listening to our show it's about RA Dickey i think his first name is Robert i think but his initials are RA his last name is Dickey he's a professional baseball pitcher and his story is really interesting because he was always he always had that it factor when he was in high school he was high, r- r- highly touted in high school, went to college, did really well, and he was drafted in the first round by the Texas Rangers, which is one of the major league uh, teams. And um, it turns out that after signing his initial contract, his rookie contract, and being promised a signing bonus of over $800,000, doctors realized that he was missing what's called a UCL. And I don't remember exactly what that is. It's ulterior ulterior cruciate ligament. It's basically the elbow's equivalent of the ACL in your knee, basically. It's what holds things together inside your elbow. And this guy never had one. It wasn't damaged. It was non-existent. And the doctors were thinking, how is it possible that you can even throw a baseball without being an excruciating pain let alone throw it well enough to play to to be considered for employment by a major league baseball team it's just through hard work and perseverance and just gutting it out i guess and long story short is that the Texas Rangers said well we can't we can't invest close to a million dollars in you just the signing bonus is 800,000 and then a rookie contract is going to be probably two or three million dollars a year if it's someone in the first round. We just, we, we're, we can't do that. And it was a business decision. He was crushed, but he was determined to make it happen. He's just determined to make it work. And he um, eventually settled on what's called a knuckleball. I don't know how much you know about baseball, sweetheart, but a knuckleball is just a way to, of holding the baseball that when you do it correctly, there is no spin on the ball when you throw it from the pitcher's mound to home plate. There's no spin at all, and there's really no telling what the ball is going to do. It could dart to the left, to the right, could go up, it could go down. You have no idea what's going to happen, as opposed to throwing a fastball, for example, which is just thrown extremely hard. There's a lot of spin on the ball, and you know more or less what's going to happen. You expect it to go in a straight line from uh, the from the mound to home plate, knuckleball is a completely different thing. And so he was told you either pick up the knuckleball and work on it and get it to the point where you can uh, play at the big league level, or you're done. We don't have a spot for you. So that was basically knuckleball or nothing, (laughs) or go get a real job, something that doesn't involve playing baseball. So that's what he decides to do he find he <clears throat> gets some help from a famous uh big league pitcher who uh was was really successful throwing knuckleballs and just got the coaching that he needed and finally got it to the place where he could get out on a on a make it make the team for the big leagues so i was reading about um actually let me go get the book be right back
0: Wow, honey, this is such an amazing story. And um, I just look it up uh, for our listeners. Uh, UCL is actually, if I'm right in pronunciation, uh, ulnar collateral ligament complex, which is located on the inside of the elbow and it is attached on one side of the humerus, the bone of the upper arm and on the other side to the all now or the bone on uh, forearm. So, this was Mr. Dickey's problem.
1: So, yeah. So, that's a UCL you're describing? Yeah. Okay. So, he didn't have it. Not only was it, like, damaged, but he didn't have it. <laughs> it was, there was nothing to repair. He couldn't have a surgery to repair it because he didn't have it. And apparently, there wasn't a surgery to insert one. So, Anyway, anyhow, that's his story. And so now he's making it as a a major league pitcher throwing a knuckleball. And this thing stuck out to me. Um, He's getting coaching from his uh, mentor, Charlie Huff, who is a great knuckleball pitcher. Uh, And let me just read this. Charlie Huff is describing how he got throwing knuckleballs, too. So... Robert says, why did you start throwing your knuckleball? Charlie says, I hurt my arm in the minor leagues. I started throwing it for the same reason almost all of us do, because it was my only chance of getting to the big leagues. How long did it take you to learn it? I learned how to throw it in a day, but it took me most of a career to be able to throw it for strikes. And that's the key to everything. You can have the best knuckleball in the world, and it ain't worth a darn thing if you can't get it over the plate. So how do I learn to control it? What can I do to speed up my learning curve? This is the student asking. And the master says, you throw it and you keep throwing it. You throw it every day. You find guys to catch you. You throw it against (coughs) outfield walls. You throw it against alley walls. You keep at it. It takes time and it takes patience to get the feel for it and to master it. And even after you think you have, you'd better have a real thick skin if you're going to be a knuckleball pitcher. Why is that? Because you're going to have games when you throw five wild pitches or give up four home runs. Games when you just don't have it. Every pitcher is going to have games when he doesn't have it, even Hall of Fame pitchers. The difference is that when you have an ugly game as a knuckleball pitcher, it's really ugly. It's going to happen, I promise you. You have to keep faith in yourself and your pitch, even if everybody else loses faith. So that stuck out to me when I was reading that this morning, honey. And what he was describing is when things don't go right, when you're throwing knuckleballs, no one knows what to do. Like if you are known as, as a power pitcher and you're just known for throwing at 98 miles an hour and just throwing it so fast that the batters, even the best in the world, just can't keep up. And for some reason, the, you, you, you just don't have the velocity that you usually have. And the hitters are able to get it and they, they beat you up. The, if, if that happens, you know what the problem is. The guy is just tired. He's been traveling too much. He needs to take a, an extra day off. Um, and and then he'll be right as rain. If a guy throws um, sliders or whatever the case may be, those things are predictable. When things don't go right, you know how to fix it. But when things don't go right with knuckleballs, no one knows how to fix it. <laughs> there is no real answer to it other than it just happens. And I just thought about how we kind of have a knuckleball marriage, honey. It, 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 Like, I'm an American, you're an Iranian, living in Vietnam, and we got married over two years ago, and at the moment, I'm in Virginia Beach, and you're still in Vietnam. And it's like, when things don't go the way that we think they should with this visa process or whatever the case may be, how do you explain it to parents? How do you explain it to family? <clears throat> People want to know. Well, how come your wife isn't here yet? I'm like, well, you know, it's, the Visa Center is moving at the speed of government, I tell them. But there's a really, there's not a real answer. There's not a real concrete, w- something that we can do. All we can do is what we can do to please the bean counters at the Visa Center but that's all we can do. Besides that, we, we don't have a real explanation. How do you explain it to a judge in a custody hearing regarding my child? H- how are they going to understand? Nobody can relate to that. People can relate to, well, I have a, I got a new job. And my only option was to move to Richmond, which is an hour away. And I can't, it It was that or I live on the street here in Virginia Beach, so what am I supposed to do judge judge can uh, sympathize with that and he can make an a uh, you can make an exception for that or you can make a plan off of that, but what happens when the guy has a a job that he can do anywhere, and you know if for no other reason you know the only reason that he's in Virginia Beach is because of his son and he feels a need, he feels compelled to live with his wife and actually have a relationship that re- something resembles a marriage and do things that married people do. Uh, how do you explain that to a judge? People can't understand that. The, the officers of the court who are, they're interested in, in it and they they mean well, but they don't know what to do because they've never they've never seen a case like this. And I just thought, this guy totally different circumstances but similar kind of similar story like when things don't go right for him no one knows what to do no one knows where to assign the blame and it's kind of the same way with us when things don't go well for for our situation where do you who do you blame it it was it was just it stuck out to me as to how similar that was, and I realized we sort of have a knuckleball marriage, as uh, eloquently stated by your knucklehead husband. <laughs> what do you think of that, honey? Am I making sense? Is this total hogwash? What do you think?
0: That's your opinion. Okay. I'm hearing what you're saying.
1: Well, I just read it, and it 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 seemed there was a bit of an, a bit of a comparison to be made between his story and our story.
0: What you're saying, like people. Don't understand because you're an American. I'm an Iranian, and uh, it's an unusual thing. But uh, I, I'm, it's not an unusual thing. It's not like it. Me and you are breaking the record of international, What do you call it? international, interracial marriage? <laughs> and it's not like we are the very first American-Iranian, American and Iranian in a history have a lot of Iranian-American married before. In fact, it was much more before than now.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. It's nothing new, but it is out of the ordinary. And especially when we have the situation where we're waiting on a visa, and when we got married, the travel ban was still in place, so like, you couldn't even get a tourist visa to visit the United States. And now mm-hmm. that might be a possibility that we're looking into, but we'll see. What I'm saying is that if we have a for lack of a better term, a conventional marriage, let's just, just to use that word, just be, because I don't, I can't think of anything better. Uh, conventional marriage being two people meet, they live within the same relative geography, driving distance. Um, and then they decide where to live. They move in with each other that let's just call that a conventional marriage that our, our marriage is unconventional. It's very, it's out of the ordinary. And so when we encounter these difficulties with the visa, I think my comparison with with uh, this pitcher's story is we don't we can't explain like there is no rational or logical way to explain why your visa is taking so long. Like I don't know how to explain to my son why sauna. Can't come to the United States. You know, it's 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 difficult. So I think I'm not trying to say that we have there's anything wrong with us, or I'm not saying we have a knuckleball marriage because there's something wrong with it, or that I'm not happy with it or discontent at all. It's quite the opposite. I'm just saying that his story, in that one element, I saw that there was a comparison between our situation and his situation as a unconventional pitcher in baseball
0: well i don't think it's necessary for anybody to really understand our marriage and our story because they won't Um, so we are not living to please anybody around us we are not living to make people understand about how our life is and how we are living so um i i oppose you on that point and uh, when you talk about judge a lot of uh, i have seen a lot of divorced men who married a woman in different country and different nationality and they have not only one maybe four or five kids these are people i know and uh, not only that because of their profession, because they're highly professional, educated uh, engineers. They have to live uh, in a very different um, state or a country because of their work. And uh, they arrange it, and their kids know. Um, the youngest kid, probably two, three years old. So uh, it's just a matter of how basically you settle down the custody and co-parent, and if the judges involve, involved, I mean, the judges know that when a man remarries, they are divorced, first of all, with the ex-family, and they have a new family, and of course, responsibility of ma- uh, a man is to use first family in every aspect, and everything else have to fall into order based on the new life a man started, so um, the judges all around the world familiar with this uh, so it doesn't mean that we have to go to the judge and say, uh, explain to the judge.
1: No, I'm not. I'm not trying to say. Uh, 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 my only <clears throat> reason for bringing that up was we don't. Our 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 situation is just out of the ordinary. It's not predictable. It's not something that people can relate to. Most people can't relate to with with what we're going through, and so. And But, at the same time, most people that I speak to are content with um, i 've got it, and we 'll let you know as soon as we hear some news and People generally speaking are not prying they 're not like they don 't feel like they have to know, but um, at the same time it 's hard to present our story in a way that makes sense to people, and so I just find myself just not really explaining it and just say, "Well." I've, you know, we've got the situation and we're, we're dealing with it the best we can and, you know, once it's a need to know basis, once you need to know, I'll let you know. And people are fine with that.
0: Well, honey, first of all, I never allow people to ask me such a sensitive personal question. Nobody around me asks me about my MVC or what's my future plan, whether I'm going to go to America or how. What what is your plan with your husband. It's none of anybody's business. Uh, and most of people around me they know my attitude because I don't question those personal questions they would never ask me. That's number one two even if uh, they ask me and I think uh, they deserve an answer I would tell them well I have a job and uh, whether I we are living together or not we both have to work um, it's just that during this period we have to, um, meet each other online and try to accommodate each other through different ways to, you know, cover up the empty space.
1: Yeah. And and people over here, it's not I'm not trying to suggest that people are sticking their nose into my business. Some people do. And that's annoying. And I try to avoid those people. But, um, uh, you know, most most of the time people are just they, they ask just because they want to make conversation. I just give a, a very generalized answer and they know to back off. You know what I mean? So that might, that might be a bit of a cultural thing where you're just... There's, there's a difference between making pleasant conversation, making small talk versus prying into someone's life. Like there's a difference between any news on, on your wife's visa and then i say no not really and then you just drop it and then there's um well what's taking so long well w- you know why why did they w- and then and then they, they keep asking questions after question after question
0: three questions too much <laughs> yeah and
1: then at that point i'm thinking well why are you asking this why do you think that this is your business to know what is um what's what's going on with my wife's visa
0: they're not supposed to ask you even what's going on with the visa. It's none of their business. If anything is moving forward, without yeah. them asking, we would inform them. So <laughs> what I'm, what I'm, what
1: I'm saying are is the there's
0: people a, I never associate with.
1: What I'm saying, honey, is there's a difference between just making conversations, saying, any news, and, and that's it, and then just leaving it at that. Then it, that's different from, and, and I say, no, not really, and then they ask, "Well, what's going on? Why? Why is it taking so long? Blah 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 blah." And they just keep, keep.
0: I know. Asking so questions. now, my question for you is: uh, When they ask you any news, uh, whether it's a good or bad news, what uh, can add to their life? Uh, do they really care about you? Did they feed you to grow you up? That they are so concerned about your life and now mm-hmm. about your new marriage. Uh, yeah. What caused them to ask you this question?
1: I think they're just friendly, they want to make conversation most of the time. Some people. There are so many
0: ways to be a friendly person, not to yes. touch on the sensitive issue that is causing so much pain in somebody's life. I would never ask anybody this question. I would be around that person, I would comfort them, I would mm. do anything possible to um, make them happy, you know. But I would not repeatedly ask the same question. If there is something, they will come and tell me. I don't have to press on it. Right. Tell me any update, any news, what's going on.
1: Yeah, I think that's a cultural thing. But by and large, over here in America, people when people ask, they're just making small talk. And when I just give a non-answer that's usually enough and they know not to ask anymore and you know
0: why i don't uh, choose anybody to be very close friend to me because i don't like small talks you know that (laughs) yes
1: sana breaks out into a rash when she engages in small talk it's pretty ugly so just so you know if you ever meet sana in person just just don't talk to her just don't (laughs) say anything (laughs)
0: Don't get personal i can spend time hours and have coffee and tea talk to you about interesting topics but uh, i don't dig into your life and i expect you don't dig into my life too
1: you know i i follow sports a lot and i like uh, I'll, I'll check out espn.com sometimes just because i i enjoy sports but i've realized that espn has just become hotbed of gossip just prying into people's lives personal lives
0: Because that's what people buy.
1: Exactly. It's like half and half. It's about, no, it's more than half and half. It's about 70% gossip and 30% like actually reporting on what's going on with sports. Maybe it's even 80-20 in favor of gossip. It's It's just awful. And every now and then there's a compelling story that I want to read. But other times it's like if some athlete breaks a law and is in trouble with, The court, who cares? Why, Why does ESPN think that this is worthy for them to report on it? This is like a man's lowest moment in his life, and you're sitting there digging into his life, adding salt to the wound, does something wrong, finds himself facing jail time, and there's ESPN digging into their personal life. It's awful.
0: This is rule of the world. always negative news negative um advertisement negative whatever you want to call it remain Mm -hmm. into human brain longer than the positive happy moments and that is one of unfortunately that is one of the strategies organizations news channels or espn that you're talking about use Mm -hmm. in order to gain lead or um audience yeah if it leads, it leads Right. Uh, very few people in the world are aware of this and they do not fall into this trap. Mm. Uh, but like you said, 80 20, maybe 80% of the people in the world, they just pry on these type of activities, gossip. They just want to, you know, create news and add up something that is not even right to it <laughs> to make right. it bigger. To make it more interesting, mm-hmm. uh, because people are bored in this world. Look yeah. what's happening around us.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's it's, no excitement. There's no motivation to do anything. No. Valuable.
0: And and people just you know, the only way they can get out of their stressful life and the misery they have is to you know, um, what you call to absorb the. I don't know what, what sentence and word I can use because maybe it's late at night here and my brain doesn't work. But people really, you know, because they want to cover up their own pain, their own sorrow and misery, they mm-hmm. are absorbed into <coughs> other people's misery. And, uh, by that they try to, you know, cover up their own pain. Mm. Right by showing their concern, by talking over about other people's pain and problem. Now, Mm -hmm. they think they're helping, but they're not helping. They're making things even more complicated.
1: Right, right. You are correct. You are correct, honey. So, it is uh, now 12.30 a.m. for you. And I'm gonna have mercy on you and say, Go to bed, sweetheart. Get some rest. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have planned for tomorrow? That would be your Wednesday.
0: Um, I don't have marking for presentation. All the other um, essays and stuff will be submitted on Friday.
1: Mm.
0: Friday is a busy day. I have presentations. I have other markings and stuff. But... Um, I guess I will do my own reading and maybe I will watch a movie take cinema okay. for a long walk
1: pay attention to the actors and give us a full report <laughs> 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 alright well it is a, a joy to share the mic with my lovely wife Sana um, it's, it's always unpleasant to be separated physically but we are always united spiritually and emotionally and we look forward to the joyous moment that we will be reunited. Soon enough it will be permanently where there won't be any more shuttling between the two VIs, Virginia and Vietnam. (laughs) Hopefully we can just, just settle down somewhere and just live without worrying about when is James leaving? When is James coming? When is Son leaving? That's a
0: good nickname for our kid.
1: V-I? Vivi, Vivi. Vivian. Yeah, that's why I suggested Vivian a while ago. <laughs> that'd be that'd be a good name because it. I've lived in Vietnam or uh, I, Vietnam and Virginia. But I was in Virginia when we met. You were in Vietnam, so we have that VV.
0: Right, but I, I, I don't, really don't want to remember these two places and put it on my kid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. by calling yeah. my kid vivi <laughs>
1: yeah name is basically like a tattoo isn't it so you got to be really careful <laughs> with how you name right.
0: your kid and in my culture when you choose a name for your kid you choose it really rightfully because the meaning of that <clears> name <throat> basically when your kid grow up they become that person we believe
1: all right well everybody we have um a bit of a a bit of an adjustment with the URL. Now, if you go to jamesandsana.com, if you type that into your browser, it is now going to redirect to our new website. Well, it's really the same website with just a new URL. It is jns.media. That is the business that we have formed together. It's JNS means James and Sana, JNS.media. But if you just type in com. it'll take you right to that homepage where you can check us out join our email list and i've already i've already spoken today's email all i have to do is have it transcribed on the artificial intelligence software i have and tidy it up get it ready and send it out so it's something we enjoy we enjoy pe- people listening to our show and giving feedback, whether good or bad. Now, nah, I'm going to strike that, say only good feedback. If you got anything negative, just keep it to yourself. We don't need to hear it because <laughs> we're not going to listen anyway.
0: We already hear a lot of negative news these days. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: yeah. We're not going to listen anyway. We're going to we do what we want to do. People
0: who can cheer us up. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: All right. Thank you everybody for everybody for listening. Li- huh?
0: He was a little bit of pickaboo. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be in your ball soon.